We're excited to, uh, to uh, pack out four services this year for Easter at Radiate, uh, one on Saturday night, three on Sunday morning. We're very excited to see what God's going to do there. So we're in this series called Rooted. It's one of my favorite series I've probably done um, to date. I love this series um, because my heartbeat uh, and the reason I started Radiate Church from day one uh, was to get out of people what God put in them. God, uh, God put something great in you. God didn't just put something great in you. God put something amazing and massive in you. In my heartbeat, nothing grieves me or actually, honestly, on, it just makes me mad more than somebody that just lives their life in such a way that what God put in them can't, can't come to fruition. I want to see the greatness that everybody has in them. My Bible tells me in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 that uh, before the foundations of the world were created, before the foundations of the world, think about that. Before the foundations of the world were created, uh, that you had a purpose and I had a purpose and we have a purpose on this earth. And I don't know about you, but that gives me an awful lot of hope that nothing, nothing matters except getting out of me what God put in me. Getting out of me what God, I want to do everything I can through life groups and through join a team and through our discipleship process, through um, all the things that we do here at Radiate Church. I want to do everything I can to help you become everything God called you to be. And I know this is where it gets difficult. Has anybody in the room ever felt like we're going to wake up a little bit today. Anybody in the room or anybody online ever felt like you heard God say something to you, like tell you to do something, right? Like even if you're a nominal follower of Jesus, you probably have felt that push and that, or that pull in and, and those ways. And here's where we get frustrated because we'll hear that and we'll feel that and then we'll go, but where is it? Where is it? Why hasn't it happened yet? Like, God, you told me this. And we get frustrated because the, between the time of planting and the time of harvest, we want it immediately. There's no seed that has ever been planted that immediately happens. There's no seed that as soon as you put it in the soil, you walk, turn your back and you turn back around and all of a sudden there's fruit hanging off the plant. It doesn't happen that way. Do you know why? Because the Bible teaches us that there's seed, there's time, and then there's harvest. Seed, time, and harvest. We get frustrated in the time. We get frustrated in the process. If we really want to see the fruit of the Holy Spirit or the fruit of God in our lives, we have to learn to embrace the processes. And processes are not fun. Processes are actually pretty boring. I'm not a very details-driven guy. I pay attention to details. I just don't want to get into them. Anybody with me? Like, you know, Pastor Chris picks with me all the time about, Pastor, you see everything. You see everything. And I'm like, yes, just don't get me involved in it. Right? We don't like that part. I don't like that part. But it's often the process or the journey or the time where things begin to happen. We're talking a lot about that next week as we talk about in the series with five stages of a seed. But I just want to talk to you today about what it looks like to watch the seed grow, to make the seed grow, to make the seed grow. Now listen, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm going to bust up your theology today. I'm going to bust it up. You ready? A lot of times what happens is we think that when God says something or plants a seed in us, 
All we got to do is sit back in our lazy boy, turn on Sports Center, grab our Oreos and our glass of milk, and it's just going to happen. Can I tell you, there ain't nowhere in the Bible that tells you that's going to happen. That's feel-good Christianity. That's the Christianity to where it's, everything's going to be rainbows and roses as soon as you give yourself to Jesus. There's not going to be difficulty. There's not going to be frustration. And as soon as God says it, bam, there it is. There you'll go. There's nothing in the Bible that tells me that, but there's a lot in the Bible that teaches me a lot about process and perseverance and endurance. There's a lot in the Bible that teaches me about time and, and learning how to get through the time and the season so that I can see the goodness. Because oftentimes what happens is God gives us a glimpse of what could be, or the seed, and then he has to develop who we are so that we can handle the fruit. Because if not, then the fruit will kill us. If God, some of us, if God gave you $100,000 right now, it would drive you into bankruptcy because you don't know how to steward 10000 You with me? And so today, I just want to talk about that. I want to talk about what does it look like to see the seed grow. As I studied it in the natural, there's three things that the, the seeds need to grow, right? And we're going to get into those three things in just a minute. But we're going to read Matthew chapter 17, verses 19 through 21 as our beginning portion of Scripture today. And then we'll pray over it and we'll get moving. Matthew 17, 19 through 21. It says this, Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, Because of the littleness of your faith. For truly, I say to you, if you have faith the size... Y'all know this. Y'all quote this whenever you want God to do something in your life. You know what I'm saying? Like, God, I need that raise if I have faith the size of a... If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will what? Yeah! And nothing will be impossible to you. I think it's interesting that it says that you will say to the mountain, not about the mountain. Maybe you talk about the mountain more than you talk to it. Sorry, that's not my message, but we'll go there. Verse 21, but this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Lord, I pray that you take your word today. Nothing I say needs to be for me. Nothing I, needs, no, nothing I say needs to be for me. It needs to be for you. And uh, God, just set your heart and your word in our hearts and our spirits and change everything about us today. In your name we pray. Amen. You ever, you ever, um, you ever done something that you've seen other people do, but you don't get the result that they get? You know what I'm saying? You ever done that? Like, you ever go... And, uh, like, my dad, my dad, right, we used to play horse growing up. Uh, horse basketball game. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You with me? All right. Out in the front yard. I never beat my dad. I could never. Even when I played basketball, like, professionally. Y'all didn't know that. I don't even know why y'all laughed at that. No, even when I played basketball uh, in school and all that stuff, like, I... I still couldn't beat my dad. My dad couldn't be, And I was like, I'm shooting. I got a better shot than my dad's got. It's more fluid. It's smooth. It's just, you know, it's just like silk. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's beautiful. And I'm doing everything, but I couldn't get the results. You know what I'm saying? You ever done that? You know, and, 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 and that's what we're reading about in Matthew chapter 17. These disciples, they're like, I've been with Jesus a while. You know, I've seen Jesus heal blind men and get lame men. I've seen Jesus do all these kinds of things. He shows up, this guy, 
this kid, this, this dude right now, he's, he's, got a, he's got a demon. They show up, they're like, I know, I know, you know. You ever baked the pie your mama used to bake? Or your grandma, and you're like, I know how she did that, right? And then you eat it, and you're like, that ain't how she did that. <laughs> I made my grandma's broccoli casserole this past year for Christmas, and I realized something. I ain't my grandma. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't like, my dad was like, this is good. It ain't as good as hers, but it's good. And I was like, Dad, thank you for the encouragement and the backhanded compliment all at the same time. It's great. You know, these guys are like, I know what Jesus would do here. He'd walk up and he'd declare that demon out and he'd pray and he'd do this and he'd do that. And how are we going to do it? And they did it. They did. They did it. They did what Jesus would have done. Nothing happened. Didn't happen the way they thought they would. So they come back to Jesus tonight, and then Jesus shows up, right? And when Jesus shows up, he does what they did, except this time the demon leaves. And they look at Jesus, and they go, Jesus, I just don't understand. Why in the world were you able to drive that demon out, and we weren't, and we did the same doggone thing? You got something we couldn't get, though we did the same. The process looked the same. And Jesus looks at him and he says this. He says, oh, the littleness of your faith. Now, when we read that, we can read that as an insult. Like Jesus is looking and going, oh, you guys just don't believe. You don't have a big faith. I think Jesus is saying this. I don't think Jesus is saying you didn't believe that the demon would leave. I think Jesus is saying this. You haven't been through what I've been through to carry what I'm carrying. You're not at the level that I'm at because you haven't been through the things I've been through. You haven't been exposed to the things and the processes that it takes to get you to this place. The littleness of your faith. In other words, the smallness of your exposure, the smallness of your sacrifice. See, we can't get things that nobody else has ever gotten by doing things everybody else does. If we want, I say this phrase probably every other month at this church from this pulpit. The truth is, is that if I want to see things no one has ever seen, I have to be willing to do things no one's ever done. That's why Jesus looks and he goes, the smallness of your faith, for if you have a little bit of exposure and a little bit of training and a little bit of discipline, see, watch this. I'm very confident in saying what I'm about to say. You cannot walk into a surgical room and perform what a surgeon can perform. I promise you, you ain't touching me. Y'all ain't performing surgery on me. Do you know why? Because you don't know how to use the instruments the way that he does because he went to school for it. You didn't. Jesus is saying, you haven't been trained and gone through what I've gone through in order to get to where I've gotten so that I can do what I'm doing. If you want to go here, and he never, God never leaves us at a place where he goes, hey, you know what? You're not there yet. Figure it out on your own. God always gives us steps. God always gives us something to do. The next movement, the next step, the next progression forward, right? And, and, and so Jesus looks and he says, you haven't been exposed to this. You're not there yet. However, he says, this kind, let me teach you something. He goes, does not come out except through prayer and fasting. In other words, if you want to go to the next level, you have to have connection with God the Father, and submission of your flesh to your spirit. Watch this. Prayer is not just, hey, God, listen, 
If you could give me a good day tomorrow and a raise and uh, that, you know what, God, man, those new Nissan Titans, they sure do look good. That'd be great. And uh, God, did it, like, that's not prayer. Can I tell you? Like, that is a, con- that's a monologue with God. Prayer is a connection with God. See, we're not going. On, Let me teach you something about prayer real quick. I don't know why I need to hit this, but I do. Prayer is not us trying to change God's mind. Prayer is God changing our heart. That's why prayer is a conversation, not a request. Are you with me? I don't need to go to God and look at him and go, you're not, because if I'm trying to change his mind, I'm telling him he ain't doing his job very well. And I don't know about you, but God knows a lot more than I do. God's trying to change my heart to his, to draw his will into my will so that I come, or my will into his will, so that we're all in agreement into this thing. Prayer is a connection with the Father. Fasting is not just saying I'm going without food or I'm going without this. Fasting is not just going without something. Fasting is literally saying to your body, my body doesn't matter as much as my spirit. In other words, I am not a body with a spirit. I'm a spirit with a body. That's what fasting teaches us. He says if you want to go to the next level, is this helping anybody? If you want to go to the next level, here's what you got to do. And so God's giving these words in you, like before the foundation of the world, he's planted something in you. He's got purpose for you. He's got promise for you. He's got all these things for you and your family and and, and what he wants you to do on the earth, right? But watch this. I want to give you this thought today, and I, I hope it's something you can chew on throughout the week. It's this. The word works if we work the word. What? That's really confusing. That doesn't even make sense. Watch this. The word works if we work the word. What are you talking about, Pastor? Here's what I'm talking about. The reality is that God can speak the word into your life, but until you learn to work the word that he gave you, the word will never come to fruition. That's why he looks at him and he goes, you have, in fact, Jesus looked at the disciples at one point and sent them out two by two and told them to drive out demons. In fact, whenever it was over, he said, you will do greater things than I have done. Well, if they have the authority and the power to drive out demons and and all this stuff, why couldn't they? Because they weren't working the word. They weren't praying and they weren't fasting. They didn't have the connection and the process that Jesus had in the moment. The word works if you work the word. Watch this. God can give you all the promise in the world. Some of us, some of us, watch this, say, God promised that he'd take care of me. God promised he'd take care of me. God promised that he'd take care of me financially. Can I tell you something? I just want to put this out. That doesn't look like a check that shows up in your mailbox every month. It looks like getting up at 8 a.m., putting your clothes on, acting professional, treating your boss with respect, loving your coworkers, going to your job, doing your job, doing it with excellence, doing it with worship, because that's what First Peter t- tells us to do. We go and we worship through our work, and then we pay our bills through the work that the, bump, the money, with the money that the work gives us. Why? God provided the job. The word works if we work the word. Are you with me? God promised he'd give me a family. Yes, he's going to bless you with a family. I believe that he will. But will you be a blessing to the family? The word works if you work the word. Watch this. People ask me all the time, if I don't tithe, will God still bless me financially? Yeah, I believe he will. I just believe you won't live in the fullness of everything he has for you financially until we work the word. It's a biblical principle. That's what he's telling the disciples. He's like, that demon, that thing that you wanted doesn't come out until you work the word. Until you work the word. But the problem is many of us just want the word. We don't want the work. 
<laughs> I love you. Um, so there's three things, real quick, as we go into this. We got to learn to water, water the word. We got to learn to water the word, water the seed, water the promise, water the purpose, water what God's put in us. In Matthew 17, 21, we've already referenced it. It says, but this kind does not go out except through pray, uh, prayer and fasting. Listen, if you, I, I just, I'm just going to repeat this. I'm going to move kind of quick, but I, I just believe that part of the reason we're not seeing some of the things that God's spoken is because we're not willing to do anything that it takes to get there. Like, I cannot say, here, please hear me, I cannot say I want a blessed marriage and then go out and do everything that the Bible tells me not to. I can't. I can't do it. Because the word works if I work the word. Are you with me? Like, I can't go out and I can't say... Like, God, I want to be the soil that you want me to be, but when I hear something that I need to change and I don't like it, I'm not going to do it. The word works when you work the word. If I want to be everything God wants me to be, that means that I've got to change a few things. And I believe we water what we believe in. We water what we... Here's, here's what would happen, right? If I were to look at you today and I were to tell you online or I were to tell you to hear in person, if I were to say, hey, guys, listen... If you come to the Lunch and Learn today that you've heard about, like, right, the Join a Team Lunch and Learn, well, not only am I going to give you a free lunch, not only am I going to feed you, not only are you going to learn about how you can plug in and make a difference right here in the local church that God is building called Radiate Church, not only are you going to get plugged into a team and see 1,000 people uh, plus walk in these doors for Easter at Radiate, not only are you going to do that, right? I'm going to, right here, I got your name, I got your name on this check. And this check is $10,000. <laughs> Hallelujah. Right? I, and all you got to do, all you got to do is one thing. All you got to do is got your name on it. If you're here, if you show up to the Lunch and Learn, I got $10,000 check with your name on it. And I showed you the check. You know what you do? You know what you do online? Y'all be in your car right now. Y'all be like, I don't care if I'm in Florida or Kansas. I'm, I'll be there. Pastor, hold my spot. Right? You guys would be like, I ain't even getting up from my seat. I know y'all, I know y'all spray that, I know y'all spray that, that, that sanitization stuff, but you're going to spray it on me because I ain't leaving. Right? You know why you do that? Because I showed you the money. Because you believed it. You'd be here and you'd be like, I'm going to eat tacos or what? And I'm going to go into the check and go into the bank tomorrow. I got more money, not more problems. I'm ready. Right? Watch. Do you know why? Because you'd believe in it. Because I showed it to you. What if the reason we're not seeing a lot of what God has promised us in our lives is because we don't really believe it? But here's the truth. If God really gave it to us, like the full picture, it'd freak us out. Freak us out. He's got to show us glimpses of the puzzle. Pieces of the puzzle. Like if you'll do this, this is what, hey, if prayer and fasting, you can do this. Hey, this and hey, that. Like this is what's going to take place. You got to do these things. The word works if you work the word. In John chapter 4 uh, and verse 14, John 4, 14, 
uh, there's a, the fra- uh, uh, scripture and it says this, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him, in him, in him, inside of him, a well of water springing up to eternal life. Jesus is the water. Listen to me. Whatever we water the seed with is the, is the product we're going to get. Watch this. Instagram is not your water. Facebook is not your water. Their opinion is not your water. Your outfit is not your water. That relationship is not your water. None of that is your water. Jesus is the water. The cross is the water. The the resurrection is the water. Jesus is the water. There's no other substitute for the water that, 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 that activates the seed of God in your life other than Jesus. That's it. Nothing else. I know that pain is too much, and, and, and I can't water the seed with things that shouldn't be there and then get mad whenever they sprout. Jesus is the water. I gotta water the seed. The second thing I gotta do is I gotta figure out a good location. I gotta have a good location. So Jesus is the water, right? But then in John chapter 8, John chapter 8, in verse 12. There's this, this scripture, and it says this. Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus not only waters the seed, but Jesus is now the light that guides us to the location that we need to be in. See, I don't, I don't get to choose. I don't get to choose. Pastor Travis, I've referenced this every week since that message. Pastor Travis brought up a great message on discipline, and he said this, we don't get the final word. The word gets the final word. The word works. You want to finish it? When we work the word. See, the truth of the matter is, is that if I'm going to find the right location, i got to figure out where is God? Where is God moving? Where is God at in this moment? Where does God want me to be? How does God want me to live? How does God want me to be in this moment? What is the right location for what he's placed in me? Watch this. In the wilderness, when the Israelites escaped Egyptian slavery, they're walking through the wilderness for years and years, for decades and decades. They're walking through, and they had this thing. Some of you original radiators are going to know all about this. They had this thing called portable church. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Boy, they had the pipe and the drape. They had the rolling carts and the scaffold and the ladders, and they had set up in an elementary school, right? That was our history. And, and they had portable church, and what would happen is they'd have the temple, and they would follow the cloud of God, and wherever the cloud of God hovered, they would pop up the temple, and that's where they'd worship. And then when the cloud of God moved, they'd tear down the temple and they'd move it to wherever God went next. Watch this. What were they doing? They were finding the location of where God was moving in the moment. Some of us, we're more worried about where the Kardashians are moving in the moment than God. Are they not cool anymore? I don't even know, to be quite honest. I told you all, I know about church, God, and football. That's about all I got. Like the truth is, is we're more worried about how everybody, and I'm not saying like knowing that stuff is bad. What I'm saying is, is am I more concerned about that getting in the right location so that I can get the right approval? Or am I more worried about getting in the right location so God can bring about everything he's put in me? What am I worried about? What am I focused on? 
And how do I know? How do I know? Pastor, all right, that's great. That's wonderful, right? Like, okay, God needs, like, we need to be in God. We need to find where he's moving, all that stuff. How do I know that? Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Don't I launch you just love how every question we ask, God's got an answer for? I just love that. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, he tells us what the parameters of a good location are. Watch this. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute or reputation, if there's any excellence, and if it is worthy of praise, dwell on these things. In other words, if it's those things, God's probably moving there. Dwell on them. Focus on it. Be in that place. That relationship that you're holding on to, that you're trying to figure out, did God call me to love this person? Well, I don't know. Are they uh, true, honorable? Are they right? Are they pure? Are they lovely? Are they a good reputation? Is there any excellence? And are they worthy of praise? You with me? I don't know. It's up to you. But God gave us the filter. God gave us the, 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 the parameters to go, this is what it looks like to be in the right location. The seed has to be in the right location. And watch this, watch this. I can't get mad at the end result when I don't follow his process. I can't. Because he's given us the processes. I can't get mad that my marriage is not as blessed as it could be when I'm doing things backwards. Oh, boy, don't. I can't get mad that my bank account ain't what it should be when I'm doing things backwards. I can't get mad that my church ain't growing when I'm more worried about my preference of worship than I am his kingdom. I can't get mad that new people ain't showing up to my church wherever you are today in whatever church you call home online. I can't get mad if I'm not inviting or any, I can't get mad at the end result if I will not follow his process. I got I to gotta water the seed. I got to find the right environment, and then I got to find the right temperature. Different seeds, different seeds need different temperatures. They need different seasons, if you will, right? There's certain things that grow well in cold weather and certain things that grow well in hot weather. Certain things that grow well in the fall and in the spring. And then, you know, like watermelons love the hot, the summer. All this stuff, like seeds are different depending on the seasons. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1 tells me this. There's an appointed time for everything. And there's a time for every event under the heaven. In other words, there's a season for everything. Let me give you, a, I teach this in leadership. I believe this with everything I've got. Let me give you something I think will help you today as, as we try to figure out our seasons. Because I believe in order for the seed to grow, we have to know the season we're in. Right? I think we have to know the season we're in in the process. But, but watch this. When we're in the season, a lot of times we try to figure out our season and then we try to strike a balance. Can I just tell you, balance is a myth and a lie. Balance doesn't happen. Balance doesn't happen. Balance, it, it, it's not fair for you to look at your family and say, I'm going to balance family and ministry, which means, honestly, I'm pitting the two against each other. 
It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not a reality. Balance doesn't happen. I would challenge you to do this. I would challenge you to focus on rhythms instead of balance. What, what rhythm or what season has God got you in right now? Because if you're in a season of push, like you, it's just full go all the time, right? That's okay as long as you know that that's the season you're in. But you also have to know that on the other side of a push season, there's probably going to be a pull season to where you rest and you have to pull back and get by yourself for a while. I'm in a season right now, personally, in my life, I'm in a season of growth. I'm, 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 learning, I'm getting ridiculous opportunities to sit with some of the greatest leaders in our nation right now, out of nowhere, to sit and learn and take notes and grow. I'm in a season of growth and change right now for me, which excites me because usually before something happens in the organization, God takes the leader through it first. So I'm excited about what's on the way for Radiate Church. Is anybody else excited about what's on the way for Radiate Church? I'm excited and pumped. I, that's the season I'm in. My wife and I, anytime we feel like a rhythm is shifting or a season is shifting, we sit down and talk about it and we look at our calendar and we try to figure out what is that going to look like and what does that mean. I want you to think about rhythms like this. It's like the ocean. The waves crash in and then what happens? It pulls back. And then the waves crash in and it pulls back. What happens if something gets out of rhythm? It gets violent, doesn't it? It gets bad. It gets rough. It gets difficult, right? If the worship team, if Radiate Worship, if our worship would have got up here today and they were all out of rhythm because I was clapping off beat, as I normally do, like if they were all out of rhythm, you'd be like, I don't know what they play in. It is bad. Like it is bad, bad, right? Like I, I, I have a pacemaker I've had since I was 24 years old, so I've had it 13 years. And, and I have heart, can, heart issues that I deal with honestly, about every day of my life, but when my rhythm gets out, it affects everything around me. It affects how I, how I love my kids. It affects how I treat my spouse. It, it affects how I lead my staff. It, it affects the energy I come up here with on a Sunday morning. It, it affects my sleep. It affects how I'm awake. It affects how I work out. It affects everything. Because why? Because my heart is out of rhythm. So they put something in me to keep me in rhythm. Why? Because if I'm in rhythm, I can at least perform at a better pace. Some of us are mad that we're not seeing what we want to see, but it's not God punishing us. It's us not understanding our rhythm or our season. I believe God blesses order. I believe that with everything inside of me. But we have to understand our rhythms. If you're in a season of rest right now, that doesn't mean that you disconnect from serving and doing what God wants you to do. It just means you're just more in a place. You know, it's always fascinated me. I'm sorry, I'm going to go off on this for a minute. It's always fascinated me that when we're in a season of rest, the first thing we cut off is church. We should connect to Jesus, not disconnect. I'm tired. I got, I'm so overwhelmed. I got work, and I got this, and I got baseball, and I got soccer, and I got this, and I got that, and my week is all taken up, so I'm going to step back from church. What? He's the center of it all. Why don't I cut off something else that isn't? Or maybe it is, and that's the problem. Anyway, that's another conversation. Let me, let me give you this thought in closing. I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping it up right now. Let me give you this thought. What got you through the last season? 
won't always get you through the next. If I'm not, if I'm not changing, I'm not growing. If I'm not growing, I won't make a change. Where is God changing you? Where is God challenging you? Where is God taking you next? What's that next challenge in your life? Because I, I, I'll tell you this. What got you through the last season, I promise you won't get you through the next. Portions of it might. But what got you through that last heartache ain't going to get you through the next one. Because God is never about the plateau line. God is always about the staircase that takes us up. It's always about steps. It's always about movement up. I hope this is helping you today. God is not going to grow something big in you by keeping you where you are. God will grow something big in you by taking you where he wants you to go. I don't know about you. I'm grateful that at 37 years old, I'm not where I was at 27. Anybody with me? I'm grateful that at 37, I'm not where I was at 36. You know why? Because if I was at 37 where I was at 17... God wouldn't trust me with hundreds of people, thousands of people online. God wouldn't trust me, you know, with a movement of God that's starting right here at Radiate Church. I believe the only way God grows something big is when we're at a place where we're willing to change. When we're willing to grow. So what are you doing? What are you going to grow? Where are you going to grow? What are you doing to water it? What are you doing to find the right location? And what are you doing to create the right temperature so that God's seed in your life takes root because the greatest thing that we could ever do is live this life and let God and his purpose and his kingdom and his promise and his goodness take root in our life and every because here's what happens when that happens everything around us changes he doesn't just do something to us watch this he does it through us and it impacts more than just us if you would, just right where you are today, in the room and online, just bow your heads today, and I just want to enter a time of prayer. I just want to enter a time of prayer. And I just, I just want to ask, as I do every week, if there's anybody in the room that would say, you know what, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to submit my life to Jesus today. I need to do whatever I need to do to come to a place of salvation and forgiveness and of grace and of goodness, I want to give him my life. Not just a prayer, I don't want to go to hell. No, I want to give him my life. Because he gave his life for me. If that's you, and you want to pray that prayer in the room today, would you hold your hand up right where you are so we can pray with you and we can give you some information so that we can walk this out with you. We're not leaving you alone in this. We're doing this together. They're going to slip a clipboard in your hand. And I want you to fill that out after this prayer so that we can walk that out. Now, at Radiate, just hold it up. Keep holding it up. At Radiate, we do this stuff as a family. We do life together here. And so what I'd love to do is for you to join me in praying this all together, all across the room, in a show of support to those that have raised their hand in the room. And if you're online today, there's going to be a keyword that you can text or a link that you can click if you've prayed that prayer so that we can walk this out because I want to pray this together. Let's pray this. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. 
Thank you for giving your life for me. I want to give you all that I have. I submit my life and my heart, my past, my present, and my future. Thank you for welcoming me into the family of God today. I love you. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for all those that accepted Jesus in the room today. Thank you, Lord. Now I want to ask you to do one more thing with eyes closed again. And if you're at home, I want you to participate in this as well. If you're in the room and you say, I want to pray and ask God to make me all that he wants me to be. I want to be all that. I want to see everything he's created me to be happen in my life. And I'll do what that takes. If that's you, I want to ask you to do something bold today. I want to ask you to stand to your feet right where you are. If you're at home, stand to your feet in your living room. All over the room. Join with over 150 people that joined and stood to their feet in the first service. If that's you, just stand to your feet right where you are. Just in a symbolic way saying, I, I want to be everything God wants me to be. Yeah, so good. So good. God, you see all of us that are standing. And God, I pray that you would help us do what we need to do to water the promise, water the word, water the purpose you put in us. God, find the right location and the right temperature because, God, we are tired of living in a plateaued, mediocre life. We're ready to see everything you have for us. And so, God, there are people standing all over this room and at home today. God, I believe there are people that are sitting that in their hearts, in their hearts, God, they're standing with you. God, I just pray that you change us. You take us where you want us to go. This is a fun journey. We get to have a blast in this. And God, I'm grateful that we get to trust you and walk with you and be with you because God, we love you more than anything else. God, I pray that this series would help us get rooted in your presence, get rooted in your church, get rooted in your heart, and get rooted in the purpose you have for us. God, we honor you, we worship you, and we look forward to what you have for us. In your name we pray, amen. Come on, church, put your hands together.